Hi, this is Rosalind. And this is Annabelle. And today we're going to be talking about Greek and Roman creation stories and um, kind of comparing them and also comparing them to our contemporary view on what creation is, which is, you know, most people think of Christian creation story. We're going to be discussing the Theogony, which was written by the Greek poet Hesiod. It describes the origins of the cosmos and the complicated and interconnected genealogies of the gods of the ancient Greeks, as well as some of the stories around them. It was composed around 700 BCE, and it was one of the earliest works on Greek mythology. Yes, and it's a full genealogy and creation myth. So it gets into not only how each of the gods are born and how they're related to each other, but how that in itself creates the world around them. Uh, such as Gaia is the earth, and she's a really central figure to the whole story. Um, she makes a lot of decisions. She whispers in a lot of people's ears to make them make other decisions, particularly uh, with the succession myth in that she was the orchestrator and the catalyst for each successive overthrowing of a ruler through the Greek mythology. So Gaia, the earth, originally was with the heavens and they had children together they had the titans which included chronos and then they had the giants and the hundred-handed ones but the heaven didn't want those children to be born he let the titans be born and walk upon the earth but he shoved the giants and the hundred-handed ones back into the earth and imprisoned them there and so she felt betrayed by this, she felt betrayed by her children, so she asked the Titans to help her overthrow him, and she provided them with a weapon. She made a sickle out of stone, and she gave it to Kronos. And she was like, "You, we need to overthrow your father, he's imprisoning my children. So Kronos does, he tricks his father, the heavens, and overthrows him in the end by cutting off his testicles and throwing the testicles into the ocean which coincidentally is where the goddess of love Aphrodite is born from <laughs> out of the sea foam. So that's the first part of the succession is son overthrowing father and not necessarily even the firstborn son. It's because Kronos is the youngest of the Titans, but it's the mother using the son to overthrow his father. And then we get to the second part where there's Kronos and Rhea and Kronos learned from Earth and Heaven that it was fated for him to be defeated by his own child. So to prevent this from happening, he swallowed most of the children that he and Rhea bore together. And Which is great. <laughs> yeah. And so um, when Rhea became pregnant with Zeus, she was grief-stricken because she did not want another child to be taken away from her. And so she asked Earth and Heaven if there was any way that they could help her uh, to devise a plan so she could have this child in secrecy. And so they decided to help her. So when Rhea gives birth to Zeus, Zeus is spirited away, spirited away um, to Crete. Crete. And then Rhea, she had a rock and she like swaddled it in a blanket so you obviously couldn't tell it was like this huge rock. And she <laughs> gave it she gave it to Kronos and he swallowed it thinking it was Zeus. And so he, he was his son. Yeah. <laughs> so he thought that um, he avoided another child like from overthrowing him, but obviously we get to the third part. Which is that Zeus, having been spirited away by Gaia, who 
helped orchestrate all of this and is now living on Crete, being taken care of by nymphs and hidden by the earth from his father. He grows up and then he comes back with a vengeance and he wants his siblings back and he wants all this. And he does and there's, you know, a big battle, big war, all that. And Zeus overthrows Kronos, which so is again a succession. So then once Zeus, with the aid of his grandmother Gaia, the earth, has overthrown his father, the earth then turns on Zeus and the gods and bears Typhon, a big giant monster of a creature, to battle the gods and to overthrow Zeus. And Zeus and the gods, the rest of them, the Greek pantheon of gods that the ancient Greeks believed in and worshipped, defeat Typhon. But Zeus has his own succession myth problem because he has his firstborn son that he's going to have with his wife, Metis, is destined to overthrow him. They're going to have a daughter and they're going to have a son. And so he tricks her into becoming a fly and then he swallows her and she's pregnant with the daughter at the time. So that daughter is born from his head because Hephaestus like cracks his head open with a skull and out comes Mm. Athena in full battle armor. (laughs) Great. And and so, but the sun never happens. The the sun that's destined to overthrow him can never be born because Metis is in his head, which is also convenient since she's a titan of wisdom. But it's very interesting that with the Greek, there's this cycle of inevitability of succession and each successive Mm -hmm. leader and ruler and man has tried a different method of stopping it from happening. And Gaia is in there, in the mix, switching sides back and forth. She's just trying to play to her advantage. She's just trying to play to her <laughs> just advantage. Just trying to ride it out. <laughs> just trying to ride it out. Uh, but the cycle ends with Zeus, who ultimately outsmarts it, which is why he's mm-hmm. like the true king, and he's the, he's the king of the gods that the Greeks worship. The Theogony is so interesting because it's so different from... I think our contemporary understanding of what creation is because I think the world today when they hear the word creation they automatically go to the Christian creation story and how you know God created the earth over seven days um, from nothing so God is bringing order out of nothing versus this story of creating life out of chaos you know, God is creating, like, nature and not giving, not personifying these different aspects of nature. Whereas in the theogony, all the aspects of nature are different parts of nature are different characters or gods or goddesses. And they're, like, working together yeah. and or cre- creating, creating more, more chaos, <laughs> creating more chaos, chaos or scheming or fighting. Or. And I think that, you know, the theogony, it's, you know, it's chaotic. And, and then the Christian creation story, it seems almost peaceful there's no right evil no not even evil just chaos in general so and this speaks to a really different relationship culturally between how people view nature how people view the earth and the sea and the plants around them because in the christian creation story the earth is part of creation and the sea is part of creation and plants are part of creation Mm -hmm. Everything's a part of creation, but they don't have their own will. They can't take action. Um, Like, if you offend the earth, like, let's say you you treat the earth badly, it's not 
the earth do- is not going to smite you. It's not going to attack you. Like, if you, like, like <laughs> litter, the earth isn't going to, like, like, reach up and just grab you. Strike you down. Yeah. <laughs> but in the Greek creation story, there's this, like, the earth is such an like a major player. It's a character. And she's a character, and she has these interesting moments where everything that she does, it seems so contradicting. Like, she's switching sides. She's mm-hmm. going back and forth. But everything she does is because of her herself like it's like she's she's consistent in the fact that she has no loyalty except to herself and to her children unless her children turn on her and then she's she's like like, you're not my children anymore like i'm i'm done (laughs) but if you offend the earth that's a very big deal the earth itself like if you offend the ocean the ocean's gonna come and get you and then this is where we come into the theogony it's earth with a capital e like yeah the actual like person or like thing yeah and then we get to the christian creation story where the earth is a lowercase e it can't do anything to anyone because it's just right part of nature yeah and like you have all of this happening and like 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 offending you could in, i guess in christianity you could offend god by hurting his creation that's very that's much less direct there, there's just one person there's just one situation um and you're not directly attacking god you are maybe disrespecting god him, yeah. but you're not like literally taking a knife and going like attacking him <laughs> whereas if you like mess with the earth, earth in like greek religion and greek creation you're messing with like the goddess yep. of the earth like she is the earth and then we have lucretius who is a um Epicurean philosopher, number one fan of Epicurus, who um, was a Roman um, poet slash philosopher in the first century BCE, and he wrote The um, Nature of Things, or otherwise known as De Rerum Natura. And this is more of a scientific view of nature or the creation story instead of a religious view. And even though Lucretius is very wrong in what he is saying, (laughs) very wrong, he backs it up so well, by the way. Like, he's very committed to it. It's more of a tangible view of nature and the creation of nature than what we have in Christianity and, you know, the theogony. Yeah, it's more of, like, he doesn't believe that things are the result of the actions of the gods. And he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he neither believes that nature or the earth is the result of a god's creation, nor does he believe that there are many gods that, well, he believes there are gods, he makes that clear, but not, they don't have an effect on how nature works or how, uh, like, he believes in, like, everything's made up of particles, um, such as atoms, for example, that are, like... Mm -hmm. Uh, moving in different ways and therefore causing things. Like, he doesn't think that lightning is the result of Zeus. He thinks that it's a result of particles or atoms. He doesn't think that rain is a god being upset or being happy. He thinks that it's rain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of that, like, comes, what is it, book six of um, The Nature of Things. You know, he, his big, like, thing, like, trying to say, like, for instance, weather is not a result of um, the gods trying to punish people for not, um, right. you know, doing their bidding and or just worshipping them. Yeah. 
kind of. And, you know, he does that. He proves it, you know, again through the atoms and, you know, science. (laughs) Science. Quote, unquote, science or what he believes to be science. I mean, and so we've come full circle, haven't we, Roz? Yes. We have talked about three very different um, views on nature and creation. Um, and, you know, we got we got our scientific, we got our religious aspects. Yeah, we have our chaotic, our ordered, an early version of the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> um, and it's a really interesting look at multiple different creation stories and different ways and how those creation stories affect uh each culture's relationship or and, each individual yeah, in the case of lucretius's relationship with the environment around them like how they think it came about and came into being has a strong effect we treat it now been, yes yes or how we how different people view the yeah earth, yeah all right well thanks thanks for listening in thanks. um i'm annabelle and i'm Rosmond, and this was a talk about greek and roman creation stories <laughs>